Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Hello, thank you so much for coming back to listening to part two of this Moving Overseas two-part series thing with Laura. (laughs) So this is kind of the part of the discussion where she talks about all the exact costs of things when it comes to moving overseas, but also going on her holiday beforehand. So I hope that you enjoy. And if you're listening to part two and haven't listened to part one, uh, that is live now. That's last week's episode or the week before this. So feel free to go and listen to that. And I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Okay, cool. So we've spoken a lot about the travel you will be doing pre getting to London and moving into when you actually get to London and you're now with your sister and then beyond that you're looking at flatting and accommodation for yourself. How have you approached this so far and, and like what have you learned about that whole process? If I'm honest, I haven't done as much research into that per se. I do know the process of finding a flat. So there's a website called bareroom.co.uk. Yeah, it's a really helpful website. So it shows uh, like a time limit. So how long you're willing to like walk to a train station, what kind of area you're wanting, um, how much you're willing to pay per month. And yeah, it most of the flats over there come furnished. So basically what we'll be looking for is a furnished flat because we don't want to buy all of our stuff. And over there, the houses are terraced houses, so like really tall and annoying staircases and stuff. So you wouldn't want to move like a lot with a lot of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, so it's very normal for the flats to be furnished and you just kind of go in and start sleeping on a new bed, whatever. Well, not new bed, but like used bed, whatever. (laughs) Basically, uh, what my sister explained to me is that a lot of the flats, the closer you are to a train station, obviously it's going to be a little bit more expensive because it's not that far of a walk. There's also, if you're a Kiwi and you're thinking of moving to London, there's a really helpful Facebook group called Kiwis in London. So there's like a big Facebook page about it, but there's a um, Kiwis in London group chat pretty much, which is like a Facebook group in itself where it's just all these posts and it's got FAQs of it. It's run by Kiwis living in London. It's really helpful. It, you know, it's just all Kiwis asking kind of different questions and whatnot. They do weekly flat posts. So if anyone knows of a room going or if uh, people have approached Kiwis in London because it's like a proper setup thing, which is so cool. But also, I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" What's the setup thing? The so uh, Kiwis in London, so it's like a proper organization, right? If that oh, makes sense. okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know if so it's, it's not just like someone set up a group and everyone's just yarning inside this. No, so it's like properly yeah. set up. So they've got, um, yeah, they have weekly posts of like these are the flats that are available, or if you're looking for a flat, then people can like comment oh, on it, being like. Um, here's what's available Um, you can search through the FAQs like people asking about health insurance or travel insurance or um, the best type of credit card to use over there so um, yeah there's just so many helpful tidbits there and it's just all helping with like 
Kiwis living in London. They've also got set up events, so um, they'll do like meetups, events and whatnot that you can go to, organising the Waitangi Day um, pub crawl, that kind of thing. So yeah, it looks really epic, and if you want to meet, I don't know, fellow Kiwis over in London, then why not? Like it's a good community to kind of get behind, so that's what it seems like anyway, and that's what I've heard. It's really helpful, that's how we actually picked our travel insurance, so Awesome, that's really valuable. I I didn't realise it was like that either. And so when it comes to, and and I know you said you haven't looked into it too much, but we've spoken about it previously in terms of what you've heard about flatting over there from other people um, and getting in quick and making sure that uh, how much it might cost you. What are those sort of details that you're aware of that you'll be conscious of when trying to look for somewhere to live? When you go and look for a flat, um, over there you pretty much have to say straight away once you've viewed the room if you want it or not it's not like over here and well at least in my experience in Auckland when looking for a flat you kind of go and view it you have a chat and then you're like okay I'll go think about it for a couple of days that's not the case over there basically if you want it you have to pretty much put in your application or say straight away that you want it there is no waiting around the spare flats are scarce over in London yeah so like it at, I've been, funnily enough, I've been actually on TikTok recently and there are these two girls that are trying to find a flat in London and they've just talked about like how it's just been quite difficult um, for them because obviously they're wanting to get two separate rooms but in the same flat. Um, But basically like you just have to say straight away like if you want it and whatnot and some places, you know, you'll have quite a few people going through. But yeah, it's not like what you do over here which is like, oh yeah, I'll think about it and let you know kind of thing. It's like you have to be in quick and I guess it'll be interesting once we find jobs because we'll look for jobs first and then find out where like if we hopefully get them find out where we're working because obviously there's like zones in London so you don't want to be too far away from where you're working versus where you're flatting and stuff because Mm. if you have to be on the tube for like say three zones like it can be quite expensive right um so the Areas that I've heard that are very common for Kiwis is like the Clapham area. Otherwise, there's like Fulham, Brixton. I will be staying in the area of Hearn Hill to begin with because that's where my sister lives. We'll be living in more like the Yopro kind of areas rather than, say, East London, which is quite expensive and whatnot. So the Clapham area is where I've heard a lot of Kiwis reside and same with Aussies. Obviously, we don't want to be just congregating to where just the Kiwis are but it is also helpful to know that those kind of areas are what people consider like a good space to be and whatnot so yeah we'll be looking through lots of different areas like Peckham, Fulham, wherever like the Yo Pro kind of areas are and also taking into account where we're working because obviously we don't want to live too far from where we're working and I mean over there there are a lot more now back into offices and whatnot where you know, over here I'm still working from home a bit. So, yeah, just kind of depends. Mm, so it'll be, seems like it'll be a bit of a process of getting there, understanding what job you're going to get and then yeah. kind of working it out. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of like what you'd kind of do over here anyway. Yeah. Like you don't want to be too far. From I know work, for true. me, like I wouldn't want to be two hours away from work or anything like that. Yeah, like I don't want not. it to be a long commute. Catching the tube or the train is like very normal over there and whether that be a 20 minute tube or whatever and then just walking to work and do you know what the average price of flatting is or I guess it depends on the area you're in depends on the area and yeah I guess it also depends if you're a single or a couple and I guess Mm. uh, me and Mason will obviously be sharing a room when it does come to finding a job is Mm -hmm. that 
are you aware of like how you're going to go about doing that? Are there things like, you know, going on Seek and that kind of thing or how? So there isn't like a set website like we have over here with Seek. So over there, they actually use LinkedIn quite a bit. Okay. Um, so recently I actually updated my LinkedIn account um, and yes, did nice. open to opportunities and yep. set the area for London. Um, I also updated the types of roles that I'm looking for. I work in marketing at the moment and I'm hoping to move into a digital marketing role over there or working for, say, an NGO or a charity. So I want to move into not the same industry that I'm in at the moment, but I want to move into one where I'm doing digital marketing for a company that's like doing good. Or like doing something really, yeah. So for me, my passions are definitely behind either like working for a charity or an NGO or a company that's like doing something really good for others or like helping the world in some sort of way or something like that. I know that sounds kind of broad, but... No, I get you. If, if you know, if you know my background, <laughs> you you know what. Um, yeah, definitely. You know that I'm quite passionate about that kind of stuff, and not saying that what I do isn't helping people per se now, but I want it to be a little bit more tangible and more in line with what I'm passionate about, which is mm. like seeing the actual good being done and um, creating yeah projects and whatnot that I'm quite passionate about or. You know, over there, LinkedIn is used quite a bit. And I was also talking to my sister. Recruiters are also very heavily used over there. So a lot of people will actually contact recruiters. Depending what kind of industry you're in, you can get industry-specific recruiters, otherwise just generalized ones. There's even an industry like recruiter kind of websites that are, again, more in that niche if you're looking for a role um, or a job. But yeah, recruiters are very much used over there where I would say... It can be, like, I've used a recruiter before, but I ultimately always found a job just through myself mm. or through using Seek. So there isn't, like, a big one website that you would use over there. It's just, like, you'd go through a recruiter or if you're sought after through LinkedIn. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. And then around just general having money to do things, mm-hmm. like, within your travelling and when you're in London, like spending money, how mm-hmm. much have you set aside for that or how have you estimated how much you would need to, I guess, still have fun, enjoy yourself, spend money on you and others mm-hmm. or experiences, but still be, I guess, responsible in what you're spending? Like I've kind of budgeted in terms of, again, with the type of travelling we're doing, the tours that we've paid for, it's been good to pay those off straight away recently because I know that I won't have to spend money on like food or anything like that so basically when we're on our turkey tour I just know that there'll be just money aside for say like souvenirs or entry fees which aren't actually too much so um not necessarily needing like heaps of money available for that versus with Italy I think when we'll be we'll have to take into account food for the day and you know um, transport costs if we want to train somewhere like if we want to go out to the Leaning Tower of Pisa from Florence or something like that you know taking into account those kinds of things so for me I am kind of being I haven't actually set out a budget per se just yet but in terms of when I'll be in London and coming back I want to have at least at least 5k set aside just until we find a job and whatnot um just to make sure that I've got a bit in my back pocket and also for when um we'll need bond money and but I'm hoping before we have bond money for a flat that 
will have a job and have had the first paycheck. So I know people that have moved over to London like with just 5,000 New Zealand dollars, which is like, yeah, two and a half thousand pounds and have made it work. But I also know people that have moved over with 10K. So I'm hoping to go over with at least, at least 15K um, and it's looking between 15 to 20K and that will include about 5K for my traveling to begin with like that include Tomorrowland and all the traveling beforehand and then just having that 10k hopefully around just for yeah whatever other expenses come up um yeah and is that just you or you and Mason combined no that's just me so all the kind of cost estimates I've made it just for me a single single person Yeah. yeah okay cool wow I think it's also good to say that you don't necessarily need say 40k in your bank account to be able to move to a new country and be well set up Mm -hmm. like there like you don't necessarily need that much like you know Mm. my sister moved over with 5k and she was absolutely fine obviously you do want to make sure that you've got that kind of backup money in case something goes wrong or in case you have to pay um for a flat bond up front which um some in some cases they make you do so that you have to do like six months bond in advance or set up costs you know getting a if postcard, credit card, whatever, um, if you want to do traveling, like there's just so many things to take into account. Yeah, just having, I think, 10K under my belt just for like feeling set up will be, yeah, enough for me just in terms of like what my tolerance of like having savings yeah. aside is, yeah, good for. Can you talk to us a little bit about how much this whole thing is? costing you from start to finish I suppose like because taking the 15 to 20 grand over that's just an excess of or in addition to all the money it's cost you to to pay for what you've already paid for right like flights and everything like that correct yeah Yeah. so there have been some some things where like recently um so I've started with obviously the t-shirt uh the sweatshirts um that I'm selling on Flourish for um help but I've taken money out of my travel savings to pay for the upfront costs of those so I'm waiting for that money to come back so I'm not saying right now in my bank account there's 15k just sitting there no Mm. (laughs) it's a bit less but I also know that when I get a payout from work when I finish up there I'll be selling my car I've been selling clothes and um, furniture around uh, my house yeah waiting for that money to come back from just the expenses of paying for the actual sweatshirts yeah then I'll have all that money kind of around in terms of flights I believe our flights were just over well my portion of the flights was just over $1,000 and then the visa as I mentioned earlier it was $519 just for the visa cost it cost $213 for the bronze package which is the premium package and just because the free one wasn't available at the time but usually you can get that for free the biometrics but you do have to pay if, you, if you're not doing a package, then you do have to pay for the courier over to the UK for your passport. Right. So, I mean, there's going to be a cost there anyway, but that might just be reduced down to, say, $50 or something. So, these are all visa-related costs that you're talking about yes, there? Yes, yes. IHS, which is the health care that you have to pay during your visa process, that cost um, $1,996 New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, the visa cost in total was around say 2500 just for the visa right and then yeah so the flights over to london just over a thousand dollars 
the turkey tour that we were that we're doing so for two of us it's three thousand two hundred and sixty dollars so around fifteen hundred each and that's australian dollars right um and that was actually like 40 percent off wow that was a 40 percent discount so that was epic and then the med sailors trip was seventeen hundred dollars euro so that's around like 800 New Zealand dollars or just over 800 New Zealand dollars each. Mm-hmm. Italy, so we've got, we've just paid for a couple of our hostels. They're around $300 for three nights at each kind of area. And that's again for two. So what I'm talking about is for two in terms of this. So around $60, $70 a night in the hostels each. We're staying in hostels for a total of like, 10 days I believe and then we're going a little bit more bougie for Venice because why not Um, and then for Tomorrowland that cost us 2,200 euro for two which is around 4,400 bucks (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy so that's yeah 2,200 just for yeah single person and that includes that includes four nights um, accommodation with the tent blow up mattress everything kind of sorted out for you and you can also take that back with you afterwards that includes um train rides to and from belgium so the music festival is in boom in belgium so that's from london to boom there and back and then also the um three-day festival so it is the expensive way to do it but it's the way that you are pretty much guaranteed and um basically it just went up a little bit in price for 2022 so i just had to pay an excess of like 300 dollars um, each person when booking and then travel insurance has cost us $1,109 for I think 67 days of cover um, and that yeah that pretty much covers us um, and that also covers like our yachting and whatnot because there's like a premium and it's comprehensive um, uh, insurance travel insurance we still have to pay for flights we still haven't booked our flights to say Istanbul from London um, and uh, our train tickets and stuff like that, but we're doing that. It's a lot to think about, isn't it? Yeah, so then with the, f- yeah, hopefully 15K on top of that mm. um, and then just spending money, I've yeah, given myself around 5K for that. Again, kind of flexible and um, again, I've been in a really lucky position that I can stay with with my sister when I get there and we'll just be helping out with like utility costs and then just like food but she's not charging us rent or anything like that which again very lucky definitely I'm so interested to hear when I talk to you you know once you've over there a bit more settled if you know you went over and you were in excess of money like you had too much or it wasn't enough like I'm Mm. keen to hear from you how that goes and so saving around all of this how long did it take you to save this have you just been saving as you're purchasing like what did you have a savings plan around it or um I put aside a certain amount of money each time pay came through I needed to finish paying off my phone because my phone was on one of those like 24 month plans of where you buy it and it is involved so I paid that off I actually got a bonus from work so I used that to buy my new Mac laptop just because my laptop was like completely dying and I Mm. wanted a new laptop 
also a new like travel bag because the bag that I took around Europe in 2018 was the biggest pain in the ass. Mm. Um, it had wheels that you had to like pull out from underneath, Ugh. and then like you'd have to tip the bag over to like pull yes, them I out. Just and then Ugh. like it was also like one of those massive backpacks. But the thing is, when the wheels were out, because it was like they were big like it was great for pulling but then as soon as you wanted to just stand up the bag it would topple over mm. and then like you'd kind of have to pull it back down oh my god it was the biggest pain in the butt so um i'm actually selling that and recently bought a new camp Mandu bag and i got it on sale during the easter sale and so it was like 40 percent off which was amazing. amazing so just utilizing those kind of sale items been selling as many clothes as I kind of can at the moment as well as just selling random furniture that I had when I went flatting and whatnot but I've also had massive costs come up in terms of as I mentioned before buying all the sweatshirts to get made to raise money for help Auckland um, and the costs of actually getting them made we had to pay an upfront cost and that cost me over three thousand dollars and that's just half of it so that's gone into it and obviously with that once we get, once we sell all the sweatshirts, we will pay ourselves back for the actual just expenses of getting the sweatshirts made. But we're not obviously paying ourselves or anything like that, but just the expenses of that. So that has been yeah quite a dent in my bank account just in terms of like looking at it. But I'm also selling my car. Have just been trying to get rid of stuff, but I've also been kind of naughty and bought more like summer clothes and stuff like that because I'm like ooh yeah <laughs> going to be traveling, getting excited, need some more stuff. Yeah, but. Yeah, trying to be um, a lot more vigilant, cut off my gym membership. Yeah, just trying to be a lot more mindful of stuff. So I think, yeah, when saving up, like I haven't wanted to put so much pressure on myself that I'm not actually doing anything ever with my time. Like I'm never going to go see friends or paying for a coffee or something like that. Like I'm not trying to be that, I guess, anal with my saving. But um, yeah, just putting aside, like I put into my bank account nearly like more than half of my pay that would come in but also I'm in a really lucky position at the moment where I'm living at home with my parents and I don't actually have to pay any rent or anything like that so again I am lucky in the sense of no rent like no rent costs at the moment or anything like that so yeah awesome cool it's really great to hear that full breakdown and I just want to say thank you for being so open and transparent about it because it really helps those of us like myself that want to move overseas in the near future and need that kind of realistic view on where we could put your experience into our current Mm. lifestyle or experience and how you know that would possibly work for us so I really appreciate that and to finish off do you have any tips like that just stand out to you that you want to give to those who are keen to move overseas yeah, so one thing that I that we kind of messed up at the beginning. So when we applied for our visa, we started the visa straight away um, from when we arrived in London. So we'll actually be out of London for, what, six weeks of travelling, right? We could have started our actual visa at the end of those six weeks. So then you've still got the full two years after that. Uh, so you can actually arrive in London as like a... Um, tourist on the tourist whatever and then go to Europe because you're actually exiting the UK so what we didn't do was like start the visa later so you've actually mm. got a better start time so I would recommend if you're going to start your visa do it and you want to do traveling beforehand across Europe then definitely start your visa when you come back from those travels for Europe because then you get more time as part of your visa so we didn't do that and I'm 
not necessarily like super gutted or frustrated, but it would have just been nice. Mm. Um, but we can just add that at the end if we want to do some extra traveling, if we decide to come back after that or whatever. But yeah, that's one thing. Um, also, join the Kiwis in London Facebook page. I found it so helpful. There are people in there that are like recruiters and things like that have had questions. Everyone in the comment sections and stuff like that have always been super lovely and super helpful and there's just some great FAQs throughout that um that has just been super helpful like you know us sorting our travel insurance it's just been really good if you've got family over in England don't be afraid to you know tap them on the shoulder and be like hey do you mind if I come stay with you for a week or two if you're setting up because that does help with the costs and then you won't feel overly stressed about trying to find a flat straight away that's the best thing I mean so many people over in London like friends and stuff they've crashed on people's couches and whatnot like one of my best friends that moved over there she stayed on my sister's couch for a week and like everyone is so like willing to help each other because I think everyone knows what it's like when you first arrive in London like trying to get settled and whatnot Mm. and people are really open to like trying to help out each other um, which is really cool. So if you've got friends over there and um, you're thinking of moving, but you don't have a place like immediately when you get there, just ask if you can crash on the couch. I mean, it's not super hard or like anything like that. I mean, the best thing you can do is ask. Otherwise, you'll never know. Figure out what kind of traveler you are. If you're someone that likes to have an itinerary and things set up for you, then maybe tours are a great thing for you. Or if you're a lot more spontaneous, then yeah, figure it out for yourself. Just figure out what kind of traveller you are. Um, figure out what your non-negotiables are and what kind of boundaries you have. Um, if you have to stay in a hostel or if you have to stay in a you know nice kind of hotel or something like that, then just be realistic with your costs and whatnot because nice hotels, especially in the peak of summer, you're not going to get cheap. So mm. definitely look into things earlier. Um, the earlier the better, just because especially during summertime, things do fill up really quickly. Um that's why we booked quite a few of our tours like ahead of time um, just because it is peak season um, and especially coming into, um, you know, where more people can travel now. Um, yeah, it's just good to have those kind of things set into place. There's nothing wrong with having an itinerary. I'm very much an organiser and I, I I like that about myself and I like that I have that safety net of knowing where I'm going to be. Um, Love that. Yeah. That's what I recommend. Amazing. Yeah. And just don't be afraid. I guess like one of those things, like I've moved to Sydney before and it was just such an amazing experience. And yes, it is scary. But like if you've found yourself in that position where you really want to make the move, but you're scared or you think it's going to be hard, just remember like it's so normal to feel those feelings, but also know that so many other people have been in your shoes and have made it work. And at the end of the day, if you don't like it, you can come back home as well like don't feel like you're ever stuck there or anything like that like you've got a decision where you can come back and um you know yeah just reminding yourself of that um I wouldn't say that during COVID times but you know like yeah just remember that so many people have been in this position before and have made it work and um you know, I'm really looking forward to hopefully sharing more of an update once we've kind of settled in. Just looking forward to meeting so many new people and being in a new environment and, yeah, travelling again. I think it's just going to be so cool and I'm really, really excited. I cannot wait to catch up with you again and, and talk about all of this and I can't wait to see all of your travels online and I'm so excited to keep up with everything you do. So thank you so much, Laura, for jumping on again today. No worries. No so worries. excited. No, thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.